Sacramento. Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast. The USL season is back and so are the boys. As ever, I'm your host, Nolan, and today I'm joined in the studio by a man who can scramble my eggs any day. Uh, (laughs) I don't like that. I like that. Uh, His dream of having a fellow ginger on the SRFC squad has been dashed to bits this afternoon after Adam Grinwis shaved his head uh, to raise money for for children's cancer research um scott i'm very sorry how are you doing he's still a ginger like it doesn't change but like his hair color but he has no hair soon he will have so it does change his hair color he goes from having hair that is red to not having any hair how do you know he doesn't have any hair that's red on his body because he Oh, true. Okay. Oh. I res- retract my statement. Respect. Respect. respect and me. I made scrambled eggs and sausage for like lunch. Oh, yeah. That's why Nolan so said he could scramble my eggs. That was the yep. egg reference. It yes. It was not a dirty joke. It was, I don't know it was a claim, it was sure, a claim Nolan. to fact. Sure. Sure. Okay. Let's factual continue claim. here. Uh, also joining me talk in Talk st- about me. Shit, you're not supposed to talk. <laughs> Come on. Also joining me in the studio is a man who I've never seen scramble any eggs, but who I have seen soak in the atmosphere of opening night uh, at Papa yes. Murphy's Park. Mm. Zach, I also love your hair today. Thank you. Did you get a perm? Stop okay. it. No? No one it's said a naughty all word. all natural. Did yeah, we're gonna have to. we're going to have to I make this episode explicit. No, no don't, I don't do that. I don't think so. it blo- it blo- it'll block it on my phone, I think. Because I have like wow. a Wow. I'm just kidding. Really? Yeah. Or like the, well, because it was like your brother's old phone in middle school. Yeah, in <laughs> the middle school Tacoma, little with me. Yeah, those middle schoolers in Tacoma won't those be able to, Tacoma won't be able to middle listen. schoolers. Yeah. yeah, and they won't be able to hack our our, our stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, Nolan, I'm doing good. You doing well? We're all in good health. Yes, nobody's good health. Uh, the atmosphere was electric. It was Saturday night. I wonder um, how many people contracted coronavirus from being <laughs> all together in that sold out stadium. Yep, it was a sellout crowd. It was. Yep. All it was the tickets out. were sold. Yeah, Tower Bridge right. was looking. <laughs> I see where you're going there. Good job, Scott. Tower Bridge was strong, about. though. It's, Tower Bridge was very strong. They were. Well, speaking of other things that are very strong, the USL League One is a very strong group of teams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they will be kicking off the beginning of their season soon. Uh, and... I'm sorry, I didn't. Scott said it's this weekend, but I did some quick googling and I saw there was like the 27th. Is it this weekend? It, it's a. It's either this weekend or next weekend. Okay. It, it, it's it's in. I can't remember, but it's yeah. it's soon. Um, and it is a strong league. I mean, Forward Madison is. is a very well-run club. It is. You know, they had four or five thousand people out um, per game last year. So. And I believe they yeah. knocked out the lights, in the U.S. Open Cup. That, they? I'm not going to be surprised. Pretty sure they did. Um, good for good for American soccer. Yeah. So. It'll be fun to, to watch them look for the diamonds in the rough that are playing in that league, like Andrew Wheeler Ominu, who we'll get to later mm. in the episode. Yes. Um, also in the news, the USL has finally launched its official app. Yeah. Um, so if you want to take up storage on your phone and get information <laughs> that you can get on FopMob, <laughs> uh, go ahead and download the app. It's well, cool. That's true. But at the same, like, it is unique. Like, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's nice to just have. It's, everything yeah you know there it's a little more um, streamlined and i'm sure that it will become more robust as time goes on right and it, and it does look good on your phone it i have does. it on my ipad it's okay it's pretty clean. but you know it would it's gonna look good on your phone it'll give you all the goals yeah. the news the lineups all that type of stuff what is annoying is like you can't see who scored a goal in a match like you have to go into you have to go yeah. to the game then go to player stats then scroll through to see who in the yeah. player stats scored the goal? And so I imagine, frustrating. I imagine something like that will probably be, be fixed, ironed out, hopefully soon, relatively. Quickly. Yeah, there's some kinks; they'll get fixed. Um, 
Some kinks that needed fixing mm. were the amount of injuries we had, which is why I think yeah. there were some academy players that were signed. So you didn't know where I was going with that. Oh, but there were three academy players that were signed uh, this past week, and they were on the bench. Well, Diego Ramos wasn't, but uh, Chavez and Yang, I believe, were on the bench. Maybe they you were. can. Yeah, they okay. Were. Um, they were on the bench this past weekend. Let me just give you a couple sentences about each of these guys. Eris Yang. Yeah, sorry. Just to clarify, they were Academy USL contracts, not professional yes. contracts. Yes, thank okay. you. So they are not signed to the first team uh, professional deal. They are signed to the first team on Academy contracts, so they don't make money, but, but they do get to do to train, make appearances on the bench, make appearances in the, the 11. And um, keep their eligibility for NCAA. Yeah, and all of these guys are 17, um, I don't know what year they are in high school. They, they didn't release that information. But, I mean, they're, they're 17. So they're juniors, they're seniors. They're thinking about college. That's coming up very quickly. Okay, Eris Yang, 17-year-old right back, made 104 appearances with the Academy, started both the Seattle Sounders and Oakland Roots preseason games. Nolan and I watched him with the Roots. He definitely looks like a converted right back. He doesn't understand the spacing very well, but... I think his soccer IQ is there. Like going forward, he was fine, mm-hmm. but he definitely looks like somebody that played central mid and then just maybe he's not going to be good enough to play central mid right now for Sacramento, but he could be like the third string right back or something like yeah. behind McCrary and Gomez if he's or, and fourth Mahoney. string <laughs> behind Mahoney. Um, so I think that's good. And he gets to continue training with the first team. The team did release a video, you know, of them, you know, going through the tunnel or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Briggs said, hey, these guys have been training with us. You you know, everyone's seen that, you know, their quality is there. They're good enough to train with us. They're good enough to make appearances for us. So I think he definitely falls into that category of like, yeah, he's good enough, but I don't expect to see much of him at all mm-hmm. unless there's just a ton more injuries. Okay, moving on. Julian Chavez, 17-year-old midfielder, spent five seasons with the club. So I think we can claim that we really did develop him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he came in as a 15-year-old, played a couple seasons, and now it's like, oh, hey, we have this amazing player. Look at us. No, like he came in as a 12-year-old, mm-hmm. and we've, we've trained him. Okay, this club has trained him. He had six goals, 12 academy matches last year, has 37 goals and 93 appearances with the academy all time over his five years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of goals for a midfielder. Yeah. I think he's a bit more of an attacking midfielder. Clearly, you can tell by his goals. He does get forward. And in the Oakland Roots game, Nolan, he did play on the left. Yeah, <clears throat> when uh, the trialist striker came off, Carlton Belmar moved centrally, and uh, and Julian Chavez moved in up into the, I believe, right attacking it, space. He played on the wing. He right. might have flipped back and forth. Yeah. And I remember him because when we asked Mark Briggs at the media day for Rodrigo Lopez's announcement, we talked, Nolan and I talked to him for about I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. And we asked him about Academy players, and he said the order in which he mentioned them, which I think is important, he said Hayden Sargis and Mario Panegos. He kind of said, like, obviously them. Mm -hmm. And then the next one he mentioned was Julian Chavez. It was. So I think of all three of these, he has the greatest potential to get minutes. Don't know if he will. I'm not going to be surprised if he doesn't. This could just be the year that he spends training with the club, playing academy games, and then next year as an 18-year-old, then maybe we start to integrate him a little bit more. Mm. Okay, last one, Diego Ramos. This will be a name that is familiar to Sacramento Republic fans. He signed an academy contract last year. He 
also appeared in uh, friendlies with FC Juarez and Club America U20s. I don't expect him to get any minutes. This yeah. is kind of a, hey, if we are in a Bind. pinch, both our goalies are hurt, sure, we'll play this guy because there's no other option. Yeah. Again, he's training with the first team, which is great for him. And, you know, maybe next year, instead of having two keepers, you sign him as your backup keeper. But that's about it. He'll be playing with the U19s when they're home, stuff like that. So, But it's good. I think it's encouraging to see all these academy names being talked about in the senior squad, regardless of their playing time. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. Finally, to wrap up the news, uh, you follow us on all our social media platforms. We are at 916Republic on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, I believe, as well. Yep, we are Reddit. Um, and Facebook. Facebook. Uh, Facebook 916 Republic. So follow us on there. If you're asking yourself, hey, after the match, you know what I would really like to see? Post-game press conferences. Go to our platforms. They are on there. Um, as well as if you want to talk to us, you want to hit us up, DM us on Twitter, on Instagram as well. And uh, Patreon. I was going to say it. I was like, mm. Patreon. How do we find, how do they find our Patreon, Scott? Um, so you just go to Patreon and you type in 916 Republic. The URL is patreon.com backslash 916 Republic, all one, no spaces. Um, we do have some Patreon patrons. Don't, patrons. There we yeah. go. I was like, donators? <laughs> like, I don't know. Patrons. Um, and that really helps us. So like we yeah. just got um, a little voice recorder and we were just talking about maybe getting a different type of microphone. We just got a few more um, sound little things to protect the mm. sound stuff. So hopefully it sounds a little bit cleaner, yep. a little bit crisper. And yeah, that money really helps us. We've also, we're starting to get in talks with some guys from other podcasts, guys from other uh, media outlets. So um, having some better equipment would help to um, increase the, the production value for us. And also when we go away to stuff, when we bring equipment, like when we do stuff on the field, stuff like that. So if you like what we're doing, you want to see more of it, mm. help us out. Give us some money. A great... Yeah. Uh, uh, donation amount is uh, $9.16. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for the people that do that. We think that's funny. Um, <laughs> and we appreciate ladies. it. Yep. And also, just really quickly, people on um, on Reddit, this is kind of a part of the social media plug, but there were, like, people really do talk to us. Yeah. Um, we And we really do. It's where the tea is spilled. Yeah. Mm. And not to sound arrogant, but, like, we really do know more than the average fan. Um, like, we talk to people at the club, I don't know, every other day, every every few days. Yeah. Um, and as injuries are coming out, we do know some stuff. So I was able to answer some questions, um, on Reddit. Somebody had a question about Shannon Gomez. I said, Hey, he's still recovering from his knee injury. Um, somebody had a question about, uh, I believe, um, Oh, not, not McCrary, but it was a Belmar, excuse me. Mm. And I was able to say, Hey, uh, the club isn't releasing that information, but there's some stuff on Twitter. Yeah. But, but Belmar did say, Hey, he's, he'll be back in a few weeks. So we don't know exactly what that is. So as followers of the pod will know, we frequently cover uh, the happenings of the U.S. men's and women's national teams um, just to keep us all up to date on what is going on um, at the international level. So for those of us who didn't know, 
the United States is currently hosting the 2020 She Believes Cup. Uh, games are currently being played in Frisco, Texas, Orlando, Florida, and Harrison, New Jersey. Um, I had to look this up because I had no idea how the She Believe Cups works. Um, it's a round-robin tournament between four of the best national teams in the world. This year, the U.S., obviously, England, Spain, and Japan are competing uh, for the title. So they each play each other once. Uh, whoever has the most points wins the tournament. If there's a tie, then it goes to goal difference. Um, and yeah, and, so- and interesting enough... England are actually the defending champs, so the U.S. women's national team have something to do other than defend a title, uh, which I think is an interesting change of pace, I'm sure. (laughs) It's an odd place to be for the the women. Yes, not defending a title. Yeah, but they will be most likely defending the title next year um, because (laughs) right now it looks like the U.S. women's national team will wrap this title up with a win against Japan on March 11th. The the scenario heading into the, the final round of games is that the U.S. women have to be beaten by Japan, who have not won a game the entire tournament, and Spain has to beat England by three goals. Um, so that scenario seems very unlikely, so it seems quite possible that the U.S. women will um, close out the deal win the She Believes Cup, um, which is important for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it's just always great to, to add another piece of silverware to the war chest, um, and it gets players um some playing time so and so just to clarify the u.s have a 2-0 win over england and a 1-0 win over spain yeah um and if you're like why frisco and harrison new jersey frisco that's fc dallas frisco is like 25 minutes 30 minutes north of dallas and then um harrison is where the red bulls play so they play that's that's the red bull arena Mm. um and maybe you're thinking like okay like why is this important well in the summer will be the olympics so these are the last kind of very competitive games that these teams will play Mm. before the Olympics. So you'll see probably a lot of this U.S. women's national team roster called in for the Olympics. And the Olympics is a small roster. It's like 20 players. So you won't see everyone, but this is probably the guys that, or sorry, the girls, the women (laughs) that Vladko is going to take to the Olympics. So it's important to show well here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go. And it's significant, too, because the Olympic tournament f- on the women's side is not a U23 competition. That's whereas right. Whereas it is on the men's. So all the the old guard of the U.S. women's national team will most likely be featuring in the summer's tournament. Right. And also, so for the men, the men have the World Cup. And then there's, you know, the North American tournament. There's the Euros. Mm-hmm. There's the Africa Cup of Nations. There's the Asia Cup. There's all those different tournaments. For the women, it's the World Cup and then the Olympics. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So, this is kind of the third, well, like a, a minor trophy if you win, but at the same time, it's a good sign heading into the Olympics. It's the sign that your team gets it, they're ready to roll. And the U.S., if you remember last Olympics, they got knocked out way earlier than people were expecting by Sweden, I believe. Mm. Um, so this could be, you know, this this could be Vladko's. I don't know, flag, like stake, stake in the ground, flag in the ground, that it is his era. He's taking over for uh, Jill Ellis. Mm-hmm. So I I think this is important to just keep your eye on, specifically looking forward to the Olympics. Right. And that is the women's national team update. And now it is time for the first game review of mm. the 2020 season. Boys, are you excited? So excited. Yeah. Stoked. 
just to kind of catch you up on a little little summary of the game, um, one one draw. We come out the gate with a lot of great chances in the first couple minutes. Um, very chippy game. Four yellows in the first half. Kind of some back and forth play. Um, kind of just settling in. And in the forty second minute, I believe, um, Hayden Sargis, seventeen year old center back, sends a great pass to Juan Barahona, streaking fullback down the left side. Juan puts it on to Skundrich right at the top of the 18. Skundrich makes a great move, slots home a goal. We put our first goal of the season in the back of the net, going to halftime 1-0. Again, very chippy match in the second half. We unfortunately concede a goal um, in the 79th minute, Uh, kind of just a lapse in judgment by uh, Matt Mahoney. And DaCosta, a player that Nolan highlighted last week, puts home a goal. Um, 1-1 draw. We had a lot of great chances, a lot of great opportunities. In that last 15 minutes, there was six minutes of stoppage time, which was, which was crazy. Um, but unfortunately, only able to come away with a 1-1 draw. At the end of the game, um, like I said before, post-match press conferences and a quick game recap are on our Instagram, on our Twitter. So go check those out. Um, Nolan, what's the talking point for you, uh, for this game? Yeah, I, I think we, we have a couple points we wanted to, to bring up, uh, in this analysis, but the big one for me was, um, we noted in the match preview last week, Hey, look out for Rodrigo da Costa. Well, for preface that first of all, look out for FC Tulsa. This is a completely different team Fair. than the Tulsa yep. Roughnecks of 2019. Um, they've strengthened in some key areas. Their coach is intelligent. He's been with, uh, the team for a while. There's a sense of continuity, um, at this club and so um they're they're not going to be the team that you're just going to run over on on opening night and that proved to be the case um on saturday and we said look out for rodrigo da costa he led the team in goals and assists last year he's a dangerous attacking player um and he eventually was the one who broke the deadlock for tulsa um it was interesting watching him play a lot deeper in the first half he was playing in a two-man midfield next to Lebo Meloto, um, who remained deep as DaCosta moved up um, to, the, to the wing attacking midfield position uh, later in the game. Um, and it was just it, the, the circumstances that led to his goal were just highlighted his attacking threat. And his creativity, yeah, yeah. for sure. Because Tulsa were uh, given a um, free kick in like right inside Sacramento's uh, defensive half and um, at the time of the f- the free kick Tulsa make an attacking substitution so they bring in a, on an attacker in uh, Christian Altamirano I believe is his name who also had who had seven goals and seven assists in 2019 um, for the for Tulsa for the Roughnecks at that point um, and so we saw Altamirano come on and then uh, Rodrigo da Costa come over to talk to uh, Michael Nissen, the um, Tulsa manager, on the touchline on the left side, and the, the free kick was being taken on closer to the right side of the pitch. Um, so he comes over. Matt Mahoney like recognizes that he's over there and, and is aware that he should be marking him, but then this significant attacking player is coming on the field, so the defense is focused on, all right, who's marking Altamirano? Like, where, where is he going to be setting up shop? Um, and then play resumes the ball gets it's just a quick pass to a midfielder the midfielder goes to Liba Maloto and then DaCosta runs literally from his conversation on the touchline with Tulsa's head coach Nissen 
just in behind Mahoney, who Mahoney recognized he was there, but was just moved, started to shuffle over a little yeah, too late. Right as he shuffles over, yeah. right as he takes a couple steps outside is DeCosta's when that run in. is made. Yeah. And, and it was great timing yeah. um, in that pass. And he does, yeah, he slots home. And Maloto, a great goal. Yeah, a great, a great ball from the, the deeper lying midfielder. Yeah. From um, that, yeah, from that sub. Um, yeah, it was an, unfor- an unfortunate um, development in yeah, the game. Yeah, and, and it's just, I mean, just surprising because Maloto is naturally a winger. Hmm. But maybe just because he's, uh, you know, maybe a bit older, he moves back to central defensive midfield. Yeah. I, I don't, that was a, just a surprise. They, they for played me. both of their really dangerous attacking players deeper in the defensive half. Like, I, I don't know how that makes sense in light of the other attacking options that they brought in over the off season. Well, I, I do think they wanted to play a bit more on the counter. So maybe you put your best two passers hmm. at the heart of that counter attack. Maybe that's the idea. I, I don't know. Yeah. There were a few times where, they definitely countered Sacramento, but it, it, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't any production no. off no. of that. No, and, and it re- as good as, as much as we highlighted the Costa, especially in that first half, he was really just kind of invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big part of that, and, and even in the second half as well, um, with of course that exception of that, you know, that one play, he was really invisible. And I think that's a big a big reason why is because of Andrew Wheeler Aminu. The man covered so much ground. He made so many great tackles. There was just, I, every time I looked, I was just like, I was just so impressed. He was everywhere, um, and Tulsa had such a, a tough time getting things going. Getting things going. A lot of that had to do with him. I'm very excited about the pairing. Uh, um, of him and Skundrich, they're both guys that can to cover a lot of ground. Are just straight marathon runners. Um, have you know are fearless. So yeah, I was very impressed with him. Um, very impressed with the little things as well, just in the passing, in the possession, in the in the in the decisions that he made. Um, so yeah, definitely a big highlight for me um, during this game. Yeah, and I think it's significant that he was given a starting spot, um, considering who else is in the squad, but yeah, maybe absolutely. not necessarily available. So um, let's just go over. There, there were a couple surprises in, in t- Saturday's starting 11. So let's just go over who was in the game. So at uh, left back, obviously Juan Barahona. And then the left-sided center back was Hayden Sargis, the academy player, graduate, now first-team player. Um, a bit of a surprise there. Didn't necessarily see him starting you know, the first game of the season, but he did and overall played very well. Got an assist. Um, well, was partnered. Got a, led, he, he a had the pass. he assisted in he assist. had a hockey assist. He had <laughs> yeah, the MLS yeah. assist. He had the yeah. hockey assist. Yeah. Yeah. So if you hear an MLS assist, like MLS used to count the pass before the assist really? as an assist. Really. Gotcha. I don't know if they do anymore. So you assisted. You know, there were it's, two it's assists like hockey. for each. Like yeah. You, you, you get, get two assists. Yeah. Yep. You get two assists. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Well, it was it was a great ball. I, I don't. I didn't go back and see the highlights. We rewatched the game, but we didn't watch the highlights. So maybe I don't know if his ball in to Barahona is in the highlights. So go back. On ESPN it, it's Plus. like it, it picks up like the ball's like mid flight. It doesn't show him. I don't think it. so. Yeah, because I watched it last night. It it's was a great. Very pass. well picked out. Like be to be able to have the vision to see Barahona running forward and then to get it to his feet was incredible. So that's that and that that speaks to chemistry right there. Absolutely, yeah. To hit him like that, which is really encouraging to see game one of the season for a seventeen-year-old. No, yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, he he played incredibly. Left-sided center back, right-sided center back, Deckel Keenan. 
the old man stalwart in defense. Old faithful. Um, he actually wasn't. He horrible. did put an elbow square in somebody's back, but <laughs> that, I won't say it. That happens when you can't jump anymore. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so he, I, I, we, I feel like yeah. we trash him. We're a bit rough. He, uh, he played. He played well. He he, he didn't play bad. Yeah, and I, I'm sure it's comforting for Hayden Sargis to have a guy of his experience playing next to him. Uh, at right back, Matt Mahoney. So um, there yeah. was a bit yeah, of a we'll surprise talk about, there. We'll talk about the uh, omissions the from the squad. Him. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Not maybe not his his most comfortable position. Um, at the left side of the midfield, it was either Wheeler Omiyunu or Skundrick. I forget who played right, who played left. Um, and then at in the center, Mario Panegos, another academy player, yep. academy graduate, first team contract signee now, um, playing in the attacking midfield role. And then Wheeler Omiyunu also playing in the midfield. And then starting on the left was... To start the game, it was Sam Warner. Sam Warner. And then... Uh, him and Bijev switched around like 35 minutes like they yeah. did against the Monarchs. Bijev was on the right, yep. Yeah. And then, of course, Owasa. Cameron also was, was in the middle. Um, so that was the starting 11. A bit surprising. I was most surprised. I was genuinely surprised that both Penegos and Hayden Sargis started the game because in the preseason we were talking on the podcast, you can go back and listen, and we said, you know, Mario Penegos, maybe 300 minutes this season, comes on in the 75th minute, 80th minute when Sacramento are either three up Three three zero up or three zero down, where it doesn't really matter, and he started the game. Um, yeah, and but maybe we can talk about how he played. Maybe yeah. Well, well, let's let's talk about firstly um, the people that were out. So yeah. Derek Derek Formella, Carlton Belmar, Jordan McCreary, Thomas Hilliard Arce, and Jaime Villa Real. So what were Hilliard Arce was in the eighteen, but didn't come on. Right. Yeah. And and Rodrigo Lopez also in eighteen. Right. Didn't come on. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, I think it's interesting. Yeah. So Roro came on. But bo- both. He, of, I, my bad. Did both of those guys, I think, were just nursing injuries. Uh huh. And maybe it was a bit of a surprise that Hilliard Arce didn't start. Yeah. But not surprised for Roro. He's just not match fit. He hasn't really done anything in the preseason. Hilliard Arce, I think it was a bit more like he's got the injury. We're gonna protect him. And we'll see him, you know, maybe yeah. next match. Yeah. Um, Roro, I think if he starts, then he'll come out in like the 55th minute or something like that because yeah. he's just not fit. Or maybe if he's a sub again, it's for like 45 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, Jordan McCrary, we're told it's a, a small hip injury. He should be back next week. Uh, nobody's really concerned about that from what we're hearing. And then Formella and Belmar, we weren't told exactly what's going on. But Belmar did tweet out, hey, sad to, you know, not be in the squad tonight with the guys. Should be back in a few weeks. That Those were his words. So don't exactly know what's going on. Maybe there's an injury. Maybe it's a personal issue. Not exactly sure. Nobody's Nobody really told us. Um, and then Formella was kind of, they're very quiet about what was going on with Formella as well. So mm-hmm. for this foreseeable future, it looks like Cam is the starting striker, which is why it is. Um, it's a, we'll talk about Cam in, in a minute. Um, I'll give you a quick preview. It's not going to be nice. It's not going to be good. But for these guys specifically, I think we'll see Hilliard Arce probably back in the eleven, as well as maybe Roro back in the starting eleven mm-hmm. next week. So for Sargis, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him be the one dropped for Hilliard Arce, and yeah. it's Sargis and. Keenan or Sargis and Mahoney with McCrary also in the 11. So it could be a very different back line next week is all we're trying to say. Yeah. There's injuries back there. Yep. 
Um, but I mean, and we have Jaime Villarreal as well. Like you know, you mentioned him, the MVP of last year. This is a great player. Um, we were really, we, I mean, we said it both at the the end of last season and the beginning of the season. Like Jaime Villarreal is going to just destroy. We we thought, like, wow, this guy is going yeah. to be integral to the success of this team, but. Maybe he won't be. Yeah, he last year was a, a huge breakout season for him. There was serious competition in that midfield. You're not pulling Skundrick. You're not pulling Roro. If if Roro is healthy enough to start, Roro is starting. Exactly. And like I said earlier, you know, I Aminu's play was one of the best individual performances I've seen in a while from from the Republic. That was an incredible individual performance. And so now yeah, now you have. You have real competition in the midfield, and mm. and and for as great um, as the midfield was, uh, such a highlight for this game. The same cannot be said for the front three. Um, for the especially Cam, I think Cam's touch was was it's just not there. Yeah, yeah, and just really quick, I just want to say, like, if you look at Wheeler Aminu's stats, he's it says he's got zero tackles. That's just not true. No. The guy was everywhere. He made at least three or four tackles. He had five interceptions. I mean, mm-hmm. I it, it's, it's the player that we've wanted since we've lost Jeremy Hall. Uh, exactly. It's so look, true. Jaime Villarreal is good. He's not that good defensively. Yeah. And then his passing stats are fine. He he made some good passes, but. I just I I want to go back to this because this is going to be something that's interesting to watch. If Jaime Villarreal is in the 18, okay, maybe he's not fit. But what happens in April when he is match fit? He has been training. Mm-hmm. It's just a storyline to keep oh, watching. Yeah. Definitely be watching that. And yeah, it, and Aminu is he's very fast, but he's a big dude. He looks so comfortable. Yeah, it's, and and even in the press too, he he gets up. He gets up quick and he gets up far in the pitch during that press and he looks it looks purposeful and it looks aggressive it looks intimidating. Um, I just think it's still early seeing this new formation from a new coach, but what I'm seeing is that Ominu fits this formation fits the tactics so well. He seems so comfortable in it. it seems to suit him and his strengths um, tremendously. And I think the partnership between Ominu. And or sorry, we are trying to get their pronunciation right. Aminu. Yes. Okay. Aminu. Andrew Wheeler Aminu. Aminu and Skundrick. Yeah. Again, it's only been ninety minutes, but it resulted in a goal from Skundrick, who yeah. we did say is poised to have Great a good year. Season, yep. That we said, you know, mediocre players from last year will have a good year. Maybe we Andrew Wheeler Aminu, he had a kind of a mediocre year last year. He was playing in League One, did well. But then, you know, with Phoenix was just average, mm-hmm. didn't didn't stay there. Maybe he's another guy that's poised for a breakout, a guy that people will know his name at the end of the year, that you might have to game plan around him. How are you going to get past Andrew Wheeler Aminu? Again, just a game, but like you said, Zach, as good as he played, the Cam yeah. didn't play as well, and the wingers didn't play as well so why don't yeah. you take one of those and talk about them well and at the end of the day this is a 1-1 draw we were only able to come up with one goal and we only were able to come up with one point um something that i think has been a kind of a storyline through the preseason and unfortunately carried over into this first regular season game is camp's touch is just not there 
Um, people are talking about it, and it's pretty obvious. I have I have uh, hope for him. The man has scored a lot. Of, he scored 17 goals last year um, for a reason. I, I, I'm very confident his touch will come back, but it's not back yet, and uh, it definitely showed on Saturday night. And um, just to kind of clarify, like, how obvious this was for us in the monarchs game last week we were talking with matt george from khtk radio um the the sports radio in sacramento and it it was just to the point where a couple times throughout the match he and i just like made eye contact and just shook our heads and we're just like not there and just like kept watching like we just it's almost very quickly become a common thing for us to notice yeah and if now if multiple people are noticing it and like he like there was one time he pointed out to me like, Hey, see, and I was like, yep, I totally know what you're talking about. And then I said it to him and like us three are talking about it. Like it, it you, you can't not have a, a good first touch as a forward. Like your first touch has to be good. Everything builds off of that. Yeah. If you're supposed to hold the ball up and you can't, you can't get the ball in the right place to make the right pass, yep. to make the right turn. It just stops all momentum. And I think we saw more than glimpses of that, we definitely saw this is becoming a problem. And the and really the wingers were not a whole lot better as far as performance goes. Um, we we told you about 35 minutes in, Warner and Bjev switched sides. They did that in the preseason game against the Monarchs. It worked really well. Not on Saturday. Did not work. Warner seemed just a little invisible. Bjev again looks like he he was just one doing too much, trying to do too much, and two, really, he's just, it seems that he's very negative on himself. It seems that when he makes a, when he makes a mistake, it affects him mentally. Yeah, he, his, his confidence goes down quickly. Yeah. And I, I mean, we were all sitting next to each other on the sideline. I remember at one point saying like, pick your head up, Bijev, come on. Like, <laughs> just to us, not like yelling to him, even though he was 10 feet away from us, right? Yeah. Um, it's just so clear his body language he he gets so self-defeated but then like when he plays well it's it's you know from another world as we saw in the preseason game against the monarch so it's just something to watch and again maybe the the lineup is a bit different if everyone is healthy maybe belmar goes out on the wing or maybe or maybe it's formella or or something something like that Right, and now we look forward to Sacramento's away day to Las Vegas. So Sacramento Republic will be facing off the Las Vegas Lights on March 13th, um, facing off against Eric Winalda's much-strengthened Las Vegas Lights. Um, he's been around the U.S. He's seen some things. <laughs> he's been uh, some places. Apparently a U.S. men's soccer national team legend, or like, was at one point the all-time leading goal scorer, uh, has bounced around management in the lower leagues. This this seems to be his most prestigious managerial job so far, um, and he's been with the team since the halfway mark of 2018, right? No, I, I think they hired him like in the off season. They did, okay. So he was there last year, and then this is his second year. Okay. By the way, just really quick, 
Games at 7.30. Sorry, go. Yeah. Did I not say that? Uh, I don't know. I just okay. wanted to clarify. Okay, thanks, Scott. <laughs> um, they have played a game already on the road um, in San Diego, um, They where they also drew 1-1 with the Loyal. And, yeah, we're just going to get into it. So they played an interesting system against San Diego. They played a 3-4-3, three, three, three center backs for the uninitiated, four midfielders, and three forwards. Um it was it was an interesting game to watch also because San Diego played a three five two so it was a three three back team against another three back team yeah um, which resulted in only two goals two goals <laughs> uh, so uh, that was fun I think we have a couple players to oh before we get into the players to watch and I'm sorry for shattering your eardrums <laughs> uh, the so for those who don't know Las Vegas is like the extra mama in the usl and so they are the gimmick kings yeah they just do the stupidest stuff over and over, <laughs> and over and over and so uh their opening night against sacramento is titled guaranteed win night um so they are giving a free if the las vegas have made a deal with the fans that if they lose opening night or draw opening night they will give a free ticket for the next home game to every fan in attendance so, it would just be so funny to Scott, see Scott's I just face. One Sacramento <laughs> like, win. If you could only see Scott's face right like, now, like yeah. I get that it's like a win-win because it's like either your team wins or you win a ticket. Yeah. But like, what if they're just hot garbage? Yeah. And then you win a ticket to see a hot garbage team. Like, yeah. are you really winning? The answer is no. No. Yep. And by the way, you can't even wear the jersey that the team is going to wear to no. that next game. It's so. St- are we going to get into this? Yeah, now? just do it. Yeah. Now. So, <laughs> another stupid thing that last year <laughs> we were going to wait to do this, but go is, ahead, go yeah, do it now. They are so they are auctioning off the rights to design every home a home kit for every home game. So, so you know, traditionally like Sacramento has a home kit and an away kit and, and then like the a same, third kit. And then a third kit. And it's the same home kit throughout the entire season well las vegas has said no like normal people we have 17 home games <laughs> so we will have 17 different home kits you and heard that right 17 home yeah. games 17 individual unique kits yeah. that they will have my crazy conspiracy theory is that this is how they're making up for the money that they're inevitably going to lose because they're giving away tickets after the first game they're having money drops yeah and they lose money in the money drops it's ridiculous they, they are the gimmick kings yeah. I guess it's Las Vegas. I understand. They have llamas running around on yeah. the field and obstacle courses at halftime. Except it's a whole thing. Listen, 916 <laughs> Republic faithful. Yeah. <laughs> Go donate to our Patreon. Yeah. So we can win this freaking stupid auction. Yeah. And then design. design this, this jersey <laughs> is going to have a trash can <laughs> with their logo on it. A trash can or a dumpster, like a dumpster on fire. A dumpster, dumpster fire. fire. Yeah. Dumpster fire. That's what we want. All or, right, now, okay, all right. There's all these send us, have a, send us your Las Vegas Lights home jersey logo yeah. design idea. Yeah. Oh, and, I like And it. next episode, like we it. will read off the best ones. Yeah. We Yes, and we'll pick the best one, and we will, uh, when we win this this. Maybe raffle, we'll make a t-shirt. That'd be so sick. We'll send it, it to that person. Our, I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. Las that. Vegas 18th kit. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. They All can right. wear it for their open cuff game. Now, oh, yeah. That they'll probably lose. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> as gimmicky as they are, they are a legit good team. Yeah. L- okay? Let me just, before before Zach gets into this, because he's going to talk about Junior Junior Burger, Burgos. Sorry. Burgos, yes. I almost said like, burger. Burger, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Junior, oh my gosh. Junior, <laughs> Junior Burgos. Burgos. Before we talk about that guy, 
I just want to say it is annoying that they signed actually good players this offseason. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. the player I'm going to talk about is a good guy. Like, this is another team that, like, didn't have a great year last year, but they still beat us in Vegas. And then, uh, I mean, they're not going to be a team that you can think, hey, if we get a couple goals, we're fine. I don't think so anymore. Last year, their problem was defense. Their problem was being consistent. They might have that solved this year with the players that we're going to talk about. So, Zach, uh-huh. go ahead and talk about Junior, Junior. There Burgos. Scores the first goal of the season for the Lights in San Diego, that new stadium. A lot of hype in that stadium. couple minutes into the game, my man Junior bombs an amazing strike bar down from, I don't even, how far 38, 30, 40 yards out. Just it takes it off the chest and then boom. It was incredible. If you guys remember back to the beginning of last season, Mitchell Tainter put home a very similar goal from a similar spot. That goal went on to be highlighted in um, goals of the year for the 2019 season yeah. that's the type of goal this was go back look at it it was incredible um the man he came from new england uh, new york cosmos which is a third division u.s um league uh where he scored 15 goals in 28 appearances it will be interesting to see how he stacks up in the usl and against sacramento coming from the dirt third division already off to an incredible start with that goal um, he will be a trick and will be matched up against whoever plays right back for Sacramento. Hopefully McCrary if he is healthy. Yeah, and sidebar, Mitchell Tanner and Hayden Partain started for San Antonio, who oh, yeah. got a 1-0 win at home. Yep. They did. So yep. congrats to those guys. Yeah, I, I think th- we definitely need McCrary back for this game. Not that Mahoney is a bad right back, but we've seen what can happen against yeah. a good winger playing against Matt Mahoney at right back. It It's just not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That and McCreary is just—he's just such a savvy veteran player. He's a great player. Um, lapses like Mahoney had for that goal last week—I don't think that happens with McCreary. It really doesn't happen. I mean, I don't remember. Maybe there was once, maybe twice, where he just switched off last year. But he—he he just plays so intensely and consistently that he—he he doesn't switch off. Like his brain is constantly moving. Okay. Well, let's get into. The next players, actually, that we're going to talk about. The first one is Roman Del Campo. The center back played last two years for Fresno and was just a rock at the central uh, central defense there for Fresno. He made 63 appearances and he scored six goals. So uh, Fresno misses everyone, but they really miss uh, Roman Del Campo. We miss Fresno. That's yeah. We anyway. Yeah. Um. He's the communicator. He's the organizer. He's the center center back in that back three. He's the organizer. He's going to be talking. You'll if you're close to the game, you'll probably hear him. Uh, in the game against uh, the loyal, he was solid. I mean he he played twelve long balls. Played fifteen short balls. That's that's what they're going to do. They're going to play. Uh, uh, forward they're going to play direct yeah they do play very direct and um jordan merle the the left-sided center back also played 14 long balls 22 short passes so what that what we can glean from that is once the center backs get the ball just just let them pound it deep 
just wa- not let them, but watch. They're just going to hail Mary half the time, essentially. And the other center back, uh, Gabe Robinson, he played only four long balls, so maybe it's not his strong suit. Yeah. So when he gets the ball, look, look for him to play some shorter passes to midfielders. Yeah. But when then when the other two guys get the ball, they're if it's quote unquote on, I mean they're just going to hit it long. So, yeah. and I think that one thing to note on this little bit about the center backs going long is we have a very small data set that we're going off of right now. It's very Namely, true. 90 minutes of the first game of the USL against a team in which uh, the lights were outnumbered in the middle of the park. So they were playing against the Loyal, who put five guys in the middle, in the midfield. Against Sacramento, we can almost guarantee that lights will have greater numbers in the middle of the park. So they may try to pass, um, build more out of the back with... Uh, pl- with the greater numbers of, of midfielders. But they um, also might not. I mean, Yeah, they could just can say, hey, we, it worked against the loyal, so we're going to go long again. Like defensively, if the, the wingers drop in, it's five people in the midfield. Yeah. And, I mean, who knows? I mean, the, the lights might just bang it deep again. Yeah. And their, their forwards are going to sit off of the center back. So they're not yeah. going to, like a lot of times when we see forwards, there's one or two guys that are, pretty close to a, a center back kind of towing that line um, waiting for that long ball. These guys are going to drop three or four yards in front of the, the, uh, the, the center backs. And that's when they're going to try to win those long balls. So what it's going to force the midfield to do is it's going to force um, Skundrick and probably uh, Wheeler Amun, Aminu. Aminu. That, Aminu. Uh, it's going to force them to drop a little deeper to win those balls, or it'll force set the center backs forward mm. to win those long balls either way someone has to win them so that's going to be the question mark for next week yeah might even be a key to a match I, nolan will maybe get into it yeah i don't i haven't looked at his keys to the match but oh. if i had one that would be just my one question my one key to the match is who wins the long balls for sacramento is it the center backs is it your midfielders what's the plan what's the organization mm-hmm. because these guys are going to play long passes so let's just get into it nolan what are your keys for this match i have Two. So the first is how do you get the best out of your relatively unproven forwards, at least in the US? They're, rel- they're unproven, at least in the USL. So both all, so I hate words. Uh, <laughs> every forward that started for the lights against the loyal have not played a season in the USL championship. So Junior Burgos, who hit the beautiful goal um, coming up from the from NISA, which is a third division league, uh, Siku Kona. I forget where he's coming from, but he was he played centrally for the lights. And then Brian De La Fuente, who's kind of like a journeyman around like South America's top leagues coming to the lights. So he's a good player, but he's never played in the championship. It's going to be really interesting to see how they adapt to playing on a baseball field in Las Vegas. Um, so, and so that was my first key to the match for las vegas the second key to the match is how are they going to take advantage of greater numbers in the middle in the midfield um it just helps to have an extra you mean sacramento no how is the how are the lights going to if they play four in the midfield oh versus the three and three midfielders okay yeah so they're gonna have one more option than sacramento will are they how are they going to take advantage of that yeah um so and that could be a little confusing. So again, Sacramento plays a four-three-three. So four defenders, three midfielders, three forwards, right? Yeah. Versus three Las Vegas backs. plays three center backs, three three defenders, four midfielders, 
three forwards. Now, to get a bit more technical, Vegas will play with two central midfielders and then two wingbacks, the ones that are on the outside. So in defense, those guys will drop deep. They'll drop, and it'll look like they have five defenders. Yeah. Then going forward, they're going to get forward. Sacramento does something similar with their fullbacks. In defense, they drop, right? But then going forward, especially Juan Barahona, will get very far forward, right? Mm-hmm. And he will, he'll play as far forward as the wingers. So what Sacramento is going to have to do is they're going to have to pick their time as to when to send those fullbacks forward to mark the opposing wingback. So uh, just looking at the the lineup um, for for Vegas, the wingback on the right is Moby Fur, and on the left, Javon Torre. So it would be um, McCrary would be the one that would be marking Javon Torre Hopefully. going a little bit forward, and it would be Barahona who would be marking Fur. Or do you say, hey, we're going to play ball side? So what that means is if the ball is on that side, you send... Uh, somebody out to mark that guy so it could be fullback it could be a midfielder like you, hey Skundrick, guess what you're going to be running laterally the whole night mm-hmm. get get ready because that's what you're going to do and he'll do it yeah. and same with um you knew hey, hey got it um um you knew sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting closer i mean that's what you that said what um you knew um you knew. oh okay yeah, there's sorry. no you Ah um, me well there's actually two um, u's me knew <laughs> It's, we should just ask him how he yeah. says his name. Um, it, yeah, yeah. It's, so, so there are ways to do that. I think that will be interesting. There could maybe be a formation change for Vegas. I don't see Sacramento changing their formation really for anyone this year. That's not. That's generally not what they do unless it's kind of like a big shift. Mm. Um, it, I, I, it's just so interesting to me because with playing so direct we we watched i don't know about maybe 25 30 minutes of their game with them playing as direct as they did um the the way that they combined is with those three forwards so usually when you want to combine off a long ball you have a midfielder run up and be ready to win that second ball or something like that the way they do it is their their three forwards just kind of all interchange so they're it can be dangerous for center backs like say Hayden Sargas, who's inexperienced. So just something else to watch out for. Um, talking about Vegas next week. Well, boys, do we have anything else before we sign off for this week? Vegas is also playing a midnight game on July 11th. It's so stupid. <laughs> That's, we talked so about that stupid. last week. Yeah, we and did. Orange County's stupider for agreeing to it. I agree. Anyway, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's beat them. It's just dumb. Anything else, Nolan? We have a history of going on the road to Las Vegas and capitulating. So <laughs> Good thing. Oh, wait. We are on the road. Yeah. So uh, time to break. Time to break them Time to chains. break the spell. Break them chains, <laughs> baby. Break the chains. Uh, uh, all right. Well, we will uh, see you guys on social media. Hopefully, you have a good time watching the game. Yeah. As always, glory, glory. Sacramento. Sacramento.